The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. So there's an interesting story out of uh, B.C. where a woman uh, was fired uh, with cause for texting during a meeting and not being a team player. Well, she's been awarded over $5,000 in compensation for her seven years of service at the dental office uh, where she worked. The woman had apparently been told several times not to text in meetings while dealing with clients. Every time she was told to stop texting, she would have an excuse. The rules for texting at work were apparently quite clear. She'd been warned several times not to text and she refused to stop now um through all of this um the the initial the 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 uh, the money awarding that was just uh, that was appealed by the employee or the employer rather in march but the bc employment standards tribunal recently uh, upheld it joining me this afternoon is michael bain he's an employment lawyer with hhbg lawyers hi michael welcome to the show Hey, Jay Lynn. Thanks for having me. Okay, now is this all about texting? Is that what, you know, this story is about? What what does this come down to? Why did this em- employee end up getting cash? Uh, yeah, so this, this uh, case I don't really think is totally about texting. Mm-hmm. I think the real issue in this case is whether or not the dentist who employed this lady as a dental assistant had cause to terminate her or not. So there's two types of termination. There's termination for cause, which means the employee has done something so fundamentally wrong that the employer can terminate that person and not have to pay them anything. Okay. And then there's every other kind of termination, which <laughs> is a termination without cause, which means that the employer has to give somebody notice or payment instead of that notice. Okay. So the, so the question is, was this woman's texting so excessive as to reach this threshold that she basically completely undermined the nature of the employment relationship? And our Employment Standards Tribunal decided, no, it wasn't quite at that threshold, so she was entitled to notice. So I guess, Michael, my question would be is that who, who makes that decision? I mean, if it's the, the, you know, the, 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 the employer saying, these are my rules, this is what you have to follow, but, follow, but someone else saying, no, it doesn't quite kind of meet that, how, how was that decided? Yes, that's a that's a great question. Um, I've read this decision, and Dr. Windsor Lee. It looks to me like maybe her policies weren't as clear as mm. they ought to have been, okay. and perhaps her warnings to the employee employee were not as clear as they ought to have been. What the case talks about is uh, a letter of termination that cites sort of I think it's five or six reasons for the termination, and so one is that well, this employee didn't tell the doctor that she wasn't going to attend an extracurricular event. Uh, One of them is that she was texting on her phone during a staff meeting. One is that she had a past reprimand warning letter, but it was from, you know, three years earlier Mm -hmm. and didn't have anything to do with texting, had to do about with taking responsibility for actions, uh, which isn't really clear what that was. Another one's a kind of vague thing about a lack, a general lack of respect, but the example that's used for that lack of respect is the texting. So Mm. the texting's been used two times in that. And then the last one is this vague sort of previous discussions about cell phone use. So how clear were those discussions? How frequent were they? How clear was it to the employee that, look, you do this one more time and I'm going to let you go for cause. Okay. Uh, And I think maybe 
uh, and I don't know, there's not yeah. enough facts in the case, but maybe it wasn't as clear as it ought to have been to the employee. Well, and that, uh, you know, that really kind of opens it up for uh, the employer, not the employer and the employee. For the employer, it makes you sit back and go, okay, as an employer, I need to make sure that if I'm going to have something like a no texting policy, that it is clearly outlined, whether it's in a staff meeting or on paper through an email or it's posted. Um, and I guess that would be, be all of those things. Yeah, and, yeah, and that's what it would have to be to cover your butt, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, another factor to look at it in this situation is this employee had been there for close to seven years. So mm-hmm. she's been there for quite a while. So she's doing something right. Yeah. Or if she's doing something so wrong for that length of time, then the employer hasn't properly papered the discipline that led up to the firing. Mm-hmm. So there's no doubt this, this lady got fired for texting and it probably really irritated her boss. And her <laughs> boss said, right, that's it. You're done. The question is, ought she still to have paid her the the uh, termination pay she was entitled to under the statute and the, and the tribunal said yes she still should have paid her really interesting i mean it's uh you know it's kind of just you know, it's a it's a flag for for folks uh, you know and i've used uh, an, an employment lawyers before with different things whether it was looking at a contract or taking a closer look at a contract that that sort of uh thing i i think it, you know this just really should make employers and make sure they they know exactly what they're do- what they're doing, and the employee should probably get some, um, you know, a secondhand look at things as well. That's that's I couldn't have said it better <laughs> myself. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think I think the way that this has been reported in the newspapers that I that I've seen and online, it's sort of suggesting, oh, this lady texted and, yeah. and she got money out of it, but no. it's not. No, she lost her job. Yeah, she got the uh, she got the severance pay that the that the. Uh, that the statute contemplates, but, you know, texting in the workplace, is, it's not a good idea, even if there's no written policy about it. I mean, it can lead to you getting fired. The question is whether it's a firing for cause or without cause. Uh, she could have still fired her for the same reason and, and paid her, and this woman would have no legal claims against yeah. the against her employer. But it's, it's a good idea for uh, employers to have uh, solid policies that they communicate clearly to their employees. And it's a good idea for employees to follow those policies <laughs> and not be not be idiots when it comes to their texting. Yeah, and I, I just wonder, though, how something like, you know, if, for example, there was a no texting policy in the workplace, I, I guess I wonder how that can even be done in this day and age, given the fact that we all seem to do our business or a lot of business on our phones. Well, that's really interesting. I, you know, as an owner of a, of a business, I have staff. We have a, a, a no-texting policy. The idea being that while you're here, you're working uh, for us. And there is, a, there is such a thing as uh, what's called time theft, which is where you're sitting at your desk all day texting or on, the, on Facebook or, you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're using the com- computer and you're doing stuff that's your own business but on company time. And that could result in being terminated for cause. But as you say, a lot of people are using their phones for their work. So I work with a lot of medical professionals and pretty much every doctor I know is uh, what used to be used for, you know, doctors used to get pages for stuff. Now they get text messages. They're texting back and forth uh, diagnoses and recommendations and, uh, you know, uh, uh, drug ideas for for patient treatment and so on and so forth. Uh, And so... 
Yeah, there are going to be some circumstances where texting is just a part of the job that the person does. I think in this case, this this person is a dental assistant. She's supposed to be assisting in the treatment of, of patients and yeah. probably dealing with patients and texting probably wasn't any part of her job at all. Yeah, I mean, if she's a dental assistant and she's still supposed to be, you know, handing something over to the dentist or something like that and she had her, her phone in her hand, I'd be like, yeah. like there's something yeah. the matter with that. Again, someone uh, just texted in, Michael, and, I, and I'm just going to uh, throw this out. I know we called you up to talk about this, but I think it's interesting. Um, you know, question, you know, when you let someone go, do you have to have like three documented incidents to let someone go without fear of, of being sued? Like what are, what are kind of the standards of, of um, you know, um, the, what are the standards that have to be in place or what has to be in place before you can let someone go? Yeah, that's a good question. I think the three strikes are out rule generally comes from the labor context where people are protected by a collective agreement of some kind. Yeah. And that agreement will often set out grievance procedures and procedures for employers to uh, meet before they can reach a threshold to terminate someone. In a private contract situation like between this dentist and her dental assistants, uh, three strikes you're out. And, you know, the courts don't like rules like that. Yeah. They like to look at the specific examples of, well, what was the conduct? How bad was it? Uh, how, you know, how, how was it brought to this person's attention? Were they given a reasonable opportunity to correct their behavior? And was it significant enough to get the employer out of having to pay some kind of severance? Yeah, and, and I get, yeah, sorry. sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, and obviously it's going to be different if it's a unionized uh, workplace or a non-unionized workplace. Yeah, totally different. So the courts are typically not going to get involved in the labor stuff. It's going to go to. It's going to take place uh, before a labor board rather than a court. Uh, in this instance, this complaint went to the Employment Standards Tribunal, which is a body that that uh, enforces the Employment Standards Act. But employees often have rights outside of the Employment Standards, which sets minimums. They may have contractual rights and they may have what are called common law rights mm. to longer periods of notice and longer periods of severance. So our courts take what's called a contextual approach. They look at the specific circumstances of that employee in that situation and what led to this breakdown in the relationship? Is it enough to say, yeah, look, this person's been stealing uh, tens of thousands of dollars? That's probably a justification for terminating someone. You know, one strike, you're out. Uh -huh. uh, but if it's, yeah, they posted on Instagram, uh, you know, a photo of their their cat or something. <laughs> while you know, at work, whatever. Yeah, while at work, that's not going to be a big deal. Yeah. But if they photographed, uh, you know, posted on Instagram a picture of a patient getting treatment, yeah. well, that's... Well, that's a lot different, right? Well, that's interesting, and 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 I, I think that a lot of uh, workplaces now have put into place, you know, social media policies. Uh, certainly, you know, with the legalization of marijuana, the you know the the policies around that. As as technology has become uh, more you know prevalent, and we're using it all the time, and 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 as laws are changing, for example, with you know cannabis, you know, it, it, employers really really have to stay on top of it, don't they? Like it is, that has got to be something that uh, has to be uh, a front of mind all the time. Yeah, and what we're seeing in the cases that are getting litigated is that uh, a lot of evidence can be gleaned from people's uh, social media <laughs> posts, from their uh, texts uh, at work to their mm -hmm. co-workers, to one another, to people outside of the workplace. A lot of that stuff is turning up uh, in in 
lawsuits. I'll, gi- I'll give you an example. There's a case that I'm working on right now where a group of employees have been texting one another, uh, saying very negative things about their uh, their boss, mm. which, uh, you know, is a problem, right? Mm. <laughs> I would recommend people don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and if so, save them all, okay? If, it's, if it yeah. comes across your phone, <laughs> save them all. Yeah. Oh, you know what, Michael? I want to thank you for joining me this afternoon. Hope you have a fantastic long weekend. I appreciate your time. Yeah, enjoy the long weekend. Yeah, take it easy. That's Michael Bain, an employment lawyer at uh, HHBG Lawyers. Um, yeah, again, I mean, if there's a no texting policy, and it's different. If you read the whole story on this one, a lot of the headlines are you know, fired because she was texting. But there were some other weird things in there, and it seems like the texting was the one that, got fo- that was focused on. But if you have a... A no texting policy at work. If you have a no texting policy at work and you broke it once, you got caught, okay, you get written up, okay, all right, you're warned. You do it again, you probably warned again three times, then it's like, okay, after a while. And I know we're all sucked glommed onto these these iPhones and these phones all the time. But if that's the policy at work and that is the rule of the employment, wouldn't you follow it? Wouldn't you? Some of your texts coming in this afternoon. Sarah says, you know what? My workplace has a no texting policy. Some people try to hide it. I'm too scared of getting caught. I just want to be honest. Do you work at a place where there's a no texting policy? Really? To be honest with you, until I saw this story, I didn't realize that there were workplaces that might have a no texting policy. I thought... And again, you got to understand, like where where we work, I mean, texting is, uh, we're setting up interviews through text. We're setting up, um, co- we're getting contacts through Twitter, through f- Facebook, all these different things. I mean, so we're constantly on our phones, um, but I've not worked at a place where there's a no texting policy. Now, and again, I guess, how would you differentiate between texting for work or texting for recreation or or pleasure doesn't sound the right word, but, you know, just for if you're having a conversation with a friend or your husband or whatever it is. Um, Huh. A no texting policy at work. Didn't know there was such a thing, but apparently there is. Um, Someone says, you know, isn't some of this just common sense? In today's world, people twist the words to fit their needs. Yes, they do. We also use our phones professionally, too. Um, Yeah, and I agree with that one. But this one says, so when the police say no texting while driving, what does that mean? They should be a lot clearer and give out warnings instead of tickets. Lots of warnings. (laughs) Ha ha. You know, sounds like she deserved to be fired. Hmm. Uh, The world is becoming so soft and dumb says Adam. Let me know what you think at 6.30, 6.30. Here's a question for you. So I was out at uh, out of the base today, um, visiting my squadron, 408 Tactical Helicopter Squadron, and uh, was talking to a couple of the guys there, and we just got on a conversation of, of uh, the kids and that sort of stuff, and one of them said, well, I'm just in the process of buying a car uh, for my daughter. She's uh, 16, 17 now, and I'm buying a car for like 500 bucks from a buddy at work and I asked him I said so what do you mean you're you're buying a car for your kid why are you buying a car for your kid why why doesn't your car why doesn't your kid you know get a job and put some money towards the car you know I didn't have my first car till I was 28 years old 
Again, I didn't get my license until I was 21, and I was able to walk everywhere, but I was 28 years old. Um, you know, my brother you know, raised money and, 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 and bought my grandpa's car from him. Is this not a thing anymore? Are, are parents expected to buy vehicles for their children now when they turn whatever it is, 15, 16, 17 years of age? Is that what you're doing? Um, because when I grew up, that certainly, well, not in my family, that wasn't a thing. I guess we had some friends, you know, y'all went to school with someone in high school, probably, you know, uh, you know, uh, better off or, you know, the, the family was more well off than you did. And they showed up on their 16th or 17th birthday driving whatever. And, you know, if you were lucky enough to, to scrape together enough money to buy an old Lada or something, that's, <laughs> that's what you ended up driving. But parents, is that a pressure Right now, for you, is it expected? Do your kids expect that you are going to get a vehicle for them when they get their driver's license? Because to me, I think it's a bunch of BS. I don't think that that's the way it should help. I think, okay, you want to help out a little bit, but definitely I think that the kid should be paying for it or paying for a part of it, it's just not an automatic, here, happy, you know, sweet 16, here's your car. Let me know, because I was really curious about uh, about this one today. Again, I've got friends whose, you know, kids have turned and automatically they just got a car. Like, what? You didn't do anything to get a car. You just got your license. What are you doing to help pay for it? What about paying for the insurance? All of that sort of stuff.